Fall is here, there's a chill in the air, and the Anomaly Film Festival is right around the corner. It's November 8th through the 12th at the Little Theater in Rochester, New York. Check it out at AnomalyFilmFest.com. It's the fifth year of showing the best in independent genre films, action, sci-fi, horror, dark comedy, and really whatever else that you wouldn't get a chance to see on the big screen. It's Anomaly Film Fest at the Little Theater, November 8th through 12th, AnomalyFilmFest.com. Masters of couch potato style, punches and popcorn. Welcome back to another episode of Punches and Popcorn, the awesomest martial arts movie podcast that I certainly know of. Uh, Guys, welcome back. We are here tonight to talk about a movie that for so many of us, especially in kind of the age bracket that we fall into this, uh, you know, not to date ourselves, but gentlemen, you know, maybe approaching, maybe solidly in the middle age range. Uh, It's such a huge part of our (laughs) action martial arts movie, like background education uh what i don't want to summarize say too much about it because this is what we're going to do over here but uh again we're going to talk about blood sport uh but before we do about do that let me uh just introduce or uh say hi to our crew here so uh again i'm your host tonight mike uh uh working all the magic we got our man matt What's up? I wrapped my hands in some some shop towels. I rolled them in glass, and then I realized I watched the wrong movie. <laughs> yes, that was Hot Shots Part Two. <laughs> oh wait, that's when you roll it in the the candy, right? Gummy bears. Yeah, gummy bears. Gummy bears. Bear. Yes. Going right to kickboxing. <laughs> yes. I, I, uh, I all right. Yep. We it. also have with us uh, our genius, Jason. Um, if you haven't, we actually have a, a group chat we talk through and I've been pretty quiet lately and that's because I've been hunting for the Kumite in upstate New York and I've, I've come up dry. There's, there's nothing here, but that's my intro. All right. So if you know where the Kumite is, uh, we, I mean, it has to be somewhere here on the sunny shores of Lake Ontario, somewhere in the greater Rochester, Buffalo area where we are all located. For my convenience, I hope it's around there. Yes. (laughs) It's especially because, as uh, any listener should know, we have our own uh, certified walking weapon with us. Um, we need to get him into the Kumite. So, uh, you know, I'll mention this again at the end, but our email, punchedinpopcorn at gmail.com. Let us know where that Kumite is so that we can get walking weapon in there to uh, create his own Frank Duke story. Uh, so without further ado, the professor, the walking welcome weapon, <laughs> Dr. Dominic DeMore. The walking welcome? I, I like that. Yeah, the, walk- <laughs> the walking welcome. Hey, well, you a, you're a friendly guy, a too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <He is very> nice. <laughs> The walking welcome. Um, great to be here. Um, this is my favorite Sensu Stricto martial arts movie. Now we talk a lot about, you know, it's like, is this a martial arts movie? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think we can all agree that Bloodsport is a freaking martial arts movie. This is my favorite one. I'm not saying it's the best one, objectively, but it is my favorite. I have had to stop myself from watching it in between <laughs> our last episode and now. That's like, I've watched it so many times. I'm like, should I watch it again? Should I watch No, it's two in the morning. I should, I don't know, go to sleep or something like that. 
yeah. You know, someone is uh, adding into that group chat uh, posts of a potential $975 Chong Lee statue in there. How close did you come in? To pulling the trigger on that statue. Uh, uh, see, so the problem is, is what was posted on my Facebook page and I'm Facebook friends with my wife. And so I'm sure if all of a sudden the bank dropped $975, <laughs> she'd be like, where's the statue? Where is it? Where is it? Where did you put it? Send it back. <laughs> Don't worry, hon. I took it out of our kids' college fund. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, no. I, I want it in the Kumite. It's fine. Yeah. The Kumite. Exactly. Yeah. That's how. It's in. Uh, for anybody that hasn't seen it yet, um, we tweeted it out on our Twitter account. That's at Punches and Popcorn. Um, so go ahead and look. I think we were suggesting, you know, if someone was generous enough that wanted to fund that for us, we would gladly accept the. What is it like? It's like one third scale Chong Lee. And we'll let you guest star in an episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, easily. Easily. Thousand dollars will get you there. <laughs> yeah. Go, go fund me for a statue of Chong Lee. <laughs> right. Are we going to pass it around like the Stanley Cup? Or <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't remember what the weight on it was. So to see, like, can we lift it up? You well, have, you know, we you are masters of the of couch potato style. So the <laughs> chances that we'd be able to lift it outside of the walking weapon here. Well, speaking only for myself, are probably pretty low. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Um, oh, walking weapon, Dr. Dom. Uh, I, we were talking right before this, and you had uh, something interesting that you learned as a follow-up to last oh, week, right? Oh, or, yeah. Uh, last, last episode. So. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I, I forgot bonus, about that. Yeah, yeah. Honest um, learning. So um, last time we talked about the headbutt. And how we're like, you know, I was like, ah, I don't know many martial arts that use the headbutt. Um, and I mentioned maybe Krav. And so I spoke to one of my uh, jiu-jitsu professors who also it, it also does Krav or had done Krav. And I asked him and he's like, yeah, yeah. He was like, you know, in close quarters, it's good to use. So, but it's not like you rear your head back, look up at the sky and then swing it forward like that. It's like more of, you know, you're in close quarters, the guys got you up against the wall and you bonk them from side to side. You got to make sure that everything is like, you know, with the, the topmost, superiormost part of your head. You don't want to hit them with your own temples because that'll hurt. And of course, your eyeballs, that'll hurt. Um, and then I, I did a little research on it and... Um, it's actually a really good defensive move. So if someone comes up, so if you don't know Krav Maga, Krav Maga is basically how to end a fight very quickly, assuming that the person could have a weapon is out to kill you kind of thing. It's, it's basically like, you know, no messing around, no messing around, no like benefit of the doubt kind of stuff with, with Krav, which is fine. That's the kind of martial art it is. So if someone is closing the distance on you, you know, what you can do is, is you put your hands up, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And as the guy comes towards you, what you can do is you can kind of bring your head, kind of dip your, your head down. So you're looking at the floor and then jut your head forward. So not in the movies where you swing it back and then forward, but you put it down and you kind of jut it forward and you knock the guy in the face in the nose or in the chin. 
And I mean, that's going to stun you like crazy. And then yeah. you can do all kinds of crazy Krav Maga stuff, which typically results in you blowing someone's knee out, you know, ripping their face off and eating. It. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> sometimes I feel like angry chimps make Krav Maga because that is a mean martial art. It's very effective. But but yeah, so the headbutt in very close quarters and especially defensive will work. Not like in the movies, but I mean, that's that's mm. pretty common thing. It's not going to work like in the movies. Sure, sure. Right. Unless you are Chung Lang from yeah. King Boxer. Oh, well, yeah. Our headbutt specialist. <laughs> or Jackson from this movie, and it's a break, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, and it's it's interesting. Uh, we talked about last time. So going kind of on our progression here from Enter the Dragon to King Boxer to Bloodsport, we've had this train of of tournaments going through all of them. So something we'll talk about more, uh, you know, and it's interesting kind of going back to looking at this movie. I know there's a lot of stuff that kind of connected to enter the dragon. So I feel like this is a really a good natural progression from where we've been. And it's just, again, for us, something we're excited about. So without further ado, uh, let's jump into this, but I know I cannot get into the spirit of talking about this movie until I hear that banger, Matt, my magic man. Can I get some of that heat? There it is. Legendary Fight to Survive by Stan Bush. All right, guys, here we go. Uh, Bloodsport was released in 1988 by Canon Films, uh, legend in 70s, 80s, and early 90s action films. Uh, this is a studio that first found its success making English dubs of Swedish softcore pornos. Uh, Canon Films made its, a- made its name with action films such as Missing in Action, Delta Force, Cobra, and the classic Ninja Trilogy, which at least some of these we're definitely going to cover. That includes Enter the Dra- Enter the Ninja, Return of the Ninja that we talked about last week that we saw at the Syracuse uh, Kung Fu Festival, and I cannot wait for us to cover that, um, and Ninja 3 Domination, uh, as well as they also did the cult classic Breakin' and its rather infamous sequel, Breakin' 2 Electric Boogaloo, which uh, I feel like a no small coincidence uh the studio that produced the movie that uh, gave a name to the Boogaloo movement is also the favorite movie of former President Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> allegedly based on a true story, Bloodsport, uh, a film by a little-known director, New Arnold, and I would say little-known before and after, uh, would be given a $1.5 million budget and a karate champion slash bodybuilder from, ben- from Belgium that few had heard of as his star. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Of course, those of us who saw No Retreat, No Surrender prior to this uh, would have recognized him as Ivan the Russian, the bad guy from that movie. Um, But that wouldn't include a significant amount of people. Uh, Bloodsport would go on to make over 50 million at the box office, turn Jean-Claude Van Damme into a star, and cement our patron saint of the podcast, Bolo Young, as a genuine martial arts legend. And would go on to have a massive influence on the development of mixed martial arts as a sport in general um, and martial arts video games, Mar- Mortal Kombat in particular. Um, so, again, for those of us that kind of grew up in this, uh, you know, 1988, this era when it came out, uh, you know, the impact that this had on uh, our senses, our lie, our everything was massive. So, um, yeah, guys, let's let's jump into this uh, blood sport. Um, I, I know, I know for certain this is not a first watch for any of us. 
So, uh, you know, it probably probably not even like a 20th watch for any of us. Um, So just again, because of where this kind of sits for, you know, our age and all that, I'm kind of interested in like your thoughts on, you know, what's something like, what do you love about Bloodsport? Or if you're actually like, spoiler alert, I don't love this movie. Just something like quick, kind of what is your. When you think of blood sport, you know, what does it do for you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll let you interpret that or pick. I'm I'm just laying it down. You pick it up how you want to. Dom, I'm if gonna, it lasts more I'm than four hours, call a doctor. Because uh, my introduction <laughs> to Dom was, um, I can't wait to do, we do the blood sport episode. So I'm letting Dom start this start this conversation. <laughs> Actually, um, I, I don't mean to correct you, but I said, if we don't do blood sport, I will quit. I believe. I believe those were my exact words. Maybe yeah, okay. I stand All right. corrected. Please. All right. So before I, before I dig in, I have to do the dad joke. You said that New Arnold was a very small time director. Would you say he's minute? Uh, 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 uh. I like that. Guys, if you That's could see Matt's face, right? If the audience could see Matt's face, he just—he <laughs> looks like he wants to kill me. You get a—I'll give you a free one for that. That was terrible. <laughs> Hang on, I think I have something for this. Let me see. I, I think I've got something for you, Dom. Do you want? I, I think it's here. Here. <laughs> there. <laughs> Comedy laugh there. <laughs> you fool! Cut it out. <laughs> oh, that's staying. Isolate that. <laughs> so I've said literally. Okay, you know, back to business. I've said literally every show we've had that I'm a big fan of. Like, I grew up with the '80s style movie. That was my thing. I used to watch them with my dad. So Bloodsport. I mean, that's just like I was eight when that movie came out. And you know, as a, as an eight year old boys. Or just looking for the next thing that is badass and edgy. And this was like perfect for that. Um, and when I think about it now as an adult, you know, I'd like to say it's a guilty pleasure, but it's I don't still don't think of it as a guilty pleasure. I, I don't feel any I don't feel ashamed about it at all. Yeah, the acting's not great, but that's not the point. It's not supposed to be. The movie is is supposed to be a very succinct clear you know i i feel like it was executed exactly how they wanted it to people are like oh the acting is not good the story is full of cliches i feel like the director was like yes so you know it it doesn't feel like anything was a misstep here i feel like this is this is some this was someone's idea of like this is a cool movie i want to make this movie and that's how i see it and also we talk about the influence on mixed martial arts i've i've read that but i almost feel like it's more of an influence on pre mixed martial arts UFC because yeah. I mean, I mean, think, think about this movie. So, so like, you know, in the traditional movies, it's like your Kung Fu style versus my Kung Fu style in this movie. They're like fighters from all around the world with different fighting styles come together and we see who's the best. That right. is classic yeah. UFC right there. You yeah, know, that's, whole, that's true. Who's the better fighter? Is it the karate guy? Is it the jiu-jitsu guy? Is it the jeet guy? Is it the, you know, the monkey style guy? Right, right, is it the right. sumo guy? The judo guy? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah all, that, all that stuff. And 
And like all the video games that came out are like, you know, in the early nineties, basically were that, especially street fighter two, which is basically, you know, they have magical projectiles, but it's essentially, they're all different fighters with different fighting styles. And I feel like, you know, the fan base for early UFC was kind of groomed, if you will, from blood sport because oh, like this is legit blood sport, you know, and also with very few rules and blah blah blah. Modern UFC is nothing like that. It, I mean, modern UFC, even though it has influences from a lot of different martial arts, and the martial artists have a lot of a range of skill. You could kind of say, based on the rules, that mixed martial arts is its own style or range yeah. of styles. But it wasn't like, For sure. you know, it wasn't like when Ken Shamrock was in it, you know, and, and Hoist Gracie and all those guys, which were just basically like, who's got the best style kind of thing. Right. And, right. Yeah. Hmm. Speak. Yeah. Good point. Good point. I like that. Nice. Nice. Uh, how about you, Matt, Jason? Give me some of your, your blood sport passion. All right. I'll. I'll take the lead here, Matt. Uh, so I feel like, you know, a lot of times Steven Spielberg, like when you talk about um, like his favorite movies or like stuff that influenced him with him when he was a child, he would talk about Lawrence of Arabia. Um, that's how I feel about Bloodsport. Like something where a light bulb <laughs> went off and it was just like, oh my God, like this, I, I'm changed. I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. In his world, it was make, you know, classic movies. With me, it was, I'm going to watch, you know, fictional men kick other men on film so it's sort of that equivalent <laughs> to me it's a big deal to me uh mike i know you're a huge fan of uh shaw brothers um i feel like the shaw brothers studio is in my head in the 80s kid is, is canon films uh this is definitely up there in uh, another canon films we also watched as a as uh, most of our team was revenge of the ninja and just you know again it was almost like dom you're saying earlier it, isn't it a good movie? Like in quotes, I don't know, but it, it's entertaining. Like I'm invested in the stakes. It's just, it's just hitting all my buttons. Like I learned about loss when I thought Jackson died in this movie. Like when I was an eight year old and I'm watching this, I'm like, I got, I, I dealt with trauma and my grandfather had died before that. And that didn't hit. I didn't understand loss until I thought Jackson died. I almost feel like he should have oh, died. I know. That's what I mean. Movies are important to me. So, but then but then we wouldn't have gotten the awesome scene of him drinking beer in the ho- in the hospital. Which, if you track it, I think is the next day. So he got out of the coma, <laughs> yeah. he, and he's slamming a beer, hanging out with his bud. They're telling each other they love each other. And, and I just talking and about I, it now, I get misty. It's just, yeah. has, has there been a better friendship on film? I don't think so. I know. I know. It, you know, I'll say for these kind of movies, it was very uh, like I forgot that they actually said they love each other at the end. Do, like, yeah. I feel like now in like 2022, like you, we kind of come around to like, oh, post pandemic. Like I've probably said I love you to my guy friends more in the past since 2020 <laughs> than I had like the previous 40 years. And uh, like, oh, but in this movie, like this is too like very manly tough guys like there i'm like oh it's kind of sweet that they give this the little love at the end anyways i don't want to jackson's a little uncomfortable and he says me too that's i like that that's true but it's we know what it means it's all right exactly he's too choked up to actually say it right exactly friendship man i love it (laughs) so we'll discuss later who the worst actor in the movie is but i actually think uh jackson is is probably the best. I feel like he's the most convincing. I, I like he doesn't seem wooden. His delivery is 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 actually really good. I think you know, like he's great to watch, and he's not just comic relief. Like I am 
convinced his character exists. Like, yeah. he's a doof. But that's what he's supposed to do. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> Donald Gibb, I think his yeah. name is? Yep. Or, 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 I just call him Ogre. Yeah. Like, I've called yeah. him right. Ogre. Like, Venge yeah. of the Nerd, right? Yeah, and that's he's what Ogre. I learned about, like, even... How do I say it? Like, like acting wise, like, cause he was ogre. And then I saw him in this. I'm like, why is ogre being so freaking amazing in this? Well, why is he the hero <laughs> of this movie? Like, I was like, oh, you can play. Like, this is how big of a light bulb movie this was for me, where I'm seeing, oh, well, this is an actor and he was the villain in this movie. And now he's sort of the, you know, the, uh, the puppy of this movie. So it, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> I think my favorite fact of his was I was looking through IMDb, uh, trivia, which is what I do after I watch one of our movies. And it said, um, Jackson is doing no known martial arts of any record, like because he's just like he, that's what I love about the Kumite. No, he like, like he like overhand like chops somebody to win one, and then he right? just throws another guy. Yeah, I, he's just there's no martial arts there. He's just a kind of like a like a bouncer that showed up here. <laughs> I consider his style pro wrestling. Yeah, he's. Oh, the, okay, I, I like to, that. To me, I watch yeah. him and he's hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. Stan, so. Stan Hansen is where I go. He's just full on Stan Hansen. Can't see a goddamn thing, but he's going to slap the shit out of you. That's where he is for me. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Matt, what are your personal connections with Bloodsport? Uh, I mean, I, it's hard not to reiterate what you guys have already said, because I, I am the same. Like, I have a... a huge soft spot for Canon films. I bought a Canon films pin a couple years ago. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, by the way, my favorite Canon movie. Uh, I didn't, how did I miss that that was Canon? Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is uh, a Canon film. Yeah. I still have not seen that. I'm ashamed to admit it. I know. It's the best comedy you've never seen. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, But yeah, so there is a version of this movie where where Jackson is the lead and uh, that's the one I want to see. But like this movie, what gets me about it every time is how chock full of montages it is. Mm-hmm. Every, yes. four, every 14 seconds, there's a montage. Um, the, of the movie is a montage. Yeah, it really and truly is. Yeah. It's um, wonderful. That poor child actor that had to try to be Van Damme gets me every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the accent. Yeah. Van, Van okay. Van, okay. We're doing yeah. it. He's the worst actor in the movie. Oh, I was going to say that. <laughs> the worst <laughs> actor in the movie. By a country he's, mile. His voiceover actor that was the worst actor in the movie. Yeah. That was rough. Yeah, whoever yeah, that so, was. So rough. I, se- <laughs> second place for that is Van Damme, by the way. Uh, I want to throw that out there. Van Damme. Who so everyone who, plays, everyone who plays Dukes is a terrible actor. Oh, including yeah. Dukes himself, which I'm sure we'll get to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a nice little that's a nice little foreshadowing. Yeah. There. Yeah. Uh, I don't know yes, how it works yes. that Van Damme, every time he delivers a line, it seems like somebody's got a family member at gunpoint just off camera. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so much to love about this movie beyond that. I mean again, the the bolo factor. it's oh, all it's the music. Yeah, the patron saint. The music is so good. Beyond the Stan Bush stuff, just the the crazy synth that's in there. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's uh, oh. really good. Oh, it's Paul. What's the Jason? You'll know this. Why didn't I write this down? I know I should know I his list. Paul, I know is Verhoeven, so I'm not the guy to. Ask. No, I would um, love. As a side note, Paul Verhoeven was uh, originally came up with the idea for uh, Disney's Dinosaur. Just throw that out there. Anyway. Um, it interesting was, it was, look at this podcast yeah. just taken off no comment. Ver- no comment Verhoeven and Stan Winston had the original idea for Disney's Dinosaur it's trippy um, really? that's the best trivia of the night 
So yeah, it, just so much. It, it's the quintessential '80s action movie. It really is. Um, it's amazing that Van Damme. This is the one that launched him, because good lord, but he's a hell of a fighter. <laughs> I mean, um, and there's so many Van Damme. If, if if I may, there's so many Van Damme things that you see, like in his other movies, like this movie made famous, like the frequent splits. <laughs> The shaking, the faces the he yeah. makes, the noises, the, noise the fact that he's got to show his butt at least once in a movie. Let's just say it. we all know it's oh, true. Yeah. We all know it's true. I watched this. My wife watched it with me for the first time, and she's like, this guy can't act, but uh, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, calm down. <laughs> but uh Sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say the sex scene, though, like we get him nude, not not the woman, which is weird <laughs> yeah. for an 80s canon movie. That's really odd. I guarantee yeah. the woman basically is bartered in this movie. They're like, yeah. they're like, you know, he's like, if you get the if you get the coin, she's yours. <laughs> if I can't oh, get the coin, she's yours. And she's just like, wait, what? Wait, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little cringy on the on the female perspective of the film. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know that when you're eight years old. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> It's funny, like my, my wife's like, you know, women aren't represented too well in this movie, and I go, um, woman. There's only one. <laughs> okay. Aside from well Tanaka's wife, aside from Tanaka's wife, there's one woman in this entire movie. Right. Which, 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 uh, that's that's a big thing with with '80s action movies. Like, how many women are in Commando? There's a, uh, you know. Tommy Chong's daughter. Yeah, just Ray Don Chong. How many women? Yeah, how many women are in Predator? The one woman, you know, your baggage full behind you on your own. That one, I don't remember her name. Um, yeah, so having like token woman is kind of what they did in the eighties. I I don't know, or just you know, a bunch of women who were very poor, poorly fleshed out. Right, right. It's yeah, and it's interesting. Like that was something I noticed that like she came there as a reporter. Like never I had a reporter for what? Like nothing, <laughs> nothing. And it like, you know, she does her little like undercover that's like wearing a nice dress and schmoozing up with one of the like the I guess is a triad boss or something to get into the the Kumite the first day. Uh but then after that, it's like the one day that she's like there kind of as a reporter. But then after that, she's just full on cheerleader. And I like there's just nothing of like we're gonna expose all like that gets dropped quick. Then it's just she's there to be like, no, don't do this. And yeah, this is not a not an empowering movie by by any means. Also, how hard is it to find the Kumite? Find the creepiest, longest, darkest, like wettest alley that happens to have two pillars and a like a, a gold lace door and like did you notice that like they walk down the creepiest like it's, it's something it's a good minute they're walking right. down and there's like wires and dripping water so 1988 bloodsport 1990 goodfellas so the tracking shot famous from goodfellas is sort of down a corridor I'm thinking Scorsese saw this maybe 89 when it hit. And, and he's like, oh my God, I love this tracking shot down this hallway. And so I'm saying right here that Scorsese took his inspiration from one of the fam most famous shots in Goodfellas from Bloodsport. So that's that's where I'm saying. I yeah, that that makes too much sense not to Thank you. not to go with I got that, all sorts of theories. The tracking thing, like that's one of the interesting things about this movie. Like one of the kind of surprising facts and like and it's interesting that for as 
big as this movie is, like in especially in like pop culture, uh, you know, all that again, f- where it sat in like that action movie, uh, you know, space is huge. You know, everybody knows this movie. But there is like surprise, at least that we could find. Now, if any of our listeners are know of resources or something better, please share them again. Emails punchesandpopcorn at gmail.com. Uh, but there, like, there's not commentary on this. There's not like there's not a lot of material that really goes into like uh, you know, compared to our previous movies that, you know, have like papers written about them and stuff, Enter the Dragon and King Boxer. Like there is it's hard to find information about like how this was fit, like other than you know, what Frank Dukes has put out himself that we'll get into that later. But one of the kind of eye-popping surprising facts is that this is one of the only Western films that they were allowed to shoot in that Kowloon walled city. And I hadn't picked, so I didn't like, didn't really, I didn't know that. Um, you know, sadly I have not had the opportunity to go to Hong Kong. So I don't know a ton about the city. Um, so- Right. But it was so I learned about it a little bit and like this, you know, it's historical play, I think was in the 90s. May I could have that wrong, uh, was torn down and ravaged. Um, but it wasn't until a second watch that I saw. Um, what is it? Vince, their their guide there. Like, I love he gives them a little spiel about the walled city and like yeah. how what it's like. So it's really kind of cool. Like amongst all that, like he's actually educated about like Kowloon walled city, which is this like really kind of secluded uh you know that they knowing that stuff that that see like where they walk in it it seemed to reiterate or echo a lot of like what i read about you know why kowloon walled city was famous and kind of notorious um and it's just like i want to know so i've you know that's a common trivia item for anywhere anything looking up like uh, any like imdb or whatever for uh you know background and blood sport but i don't i haven't found anything that explains well because they made it sound like you know whoever the authorities in hong kong didn't typically allow film companies to go in there um so how did they get access or was it that yeah you could it's just most people wouldn't because it's you know old and scary and all that so they're just the great i like i would love to know more about but like there was not a lot that really got into so i I don't know if any of our listeners again know more about that i would love to hear more but the answer is just just a Canon films, they right, they, right, right. They, Again, they which, yeah, they, exactly. They just went in and did it. That's kind of how Canon did things. <laughs> so, also, past. another movie that was influenced by the you know creepy hallway was uh, Beer Fest. Have you guys ever seen Beer Fest? <laughs> yeah. You know, a classic. The creepy hallway of the guy crazy <laughs> <laughs> people. Oh, it's Bloodsport. I get off. What about when at the end went? like taking people out with his his like backpack like what about the old boy scene with the hallway old boy scene yeah. like oh that is, yeah that's another one-to-one I'm oh that's Bloodsport that's one of my favorites credit i i do want to come back to the point you made originally about it inspiring scorsese i i had to look up newt arnold he was an ad for godfather part two and graduated, oh yes i graduated from UCLA that was like Film one School. of yeah so yeah totally feasible totally possible that that's a thing because he ran with coppola so yeah jay i think you're on to something man yep that's it's that's that's uh that's a punches and popcorn fact now exclusive (laughs) exclusive fact (laughs) Um, you one might call it an alternative fact but we're gonna call it 
an exclusive fact. It Bloodsport inspired one of the greatest scenes of all time from Goodfellas. Yeah, this is podcast, so if you say it confidently enough, it becomes fact. I on another podcast I did, I said that Matt Pinfield hosted Headbangers Ball. He didn't. It was Ricky Rockman, but I said it and I believed it. So oh, you now. did. What did Pinfield? Oh, that's a side counter. Side side. <laughs> 120 minutes. Anyway. <laughs> yes, I. I yes that this was on our uh, our podcast network family uh, anomaly again one of our fellow shows here please listen to that podcast because they're amazing and of a level of fantastic hilarity that we hope to uh, achieve. Um, but yes, that I remember that segment. That was the Queen of the Damned episode, correct? That's I right. Believe. Yep. State that any was, fact confidently, was... and, and it becomes truth. This is podcast world. I yep, and you know what? I have never seen Queen of the Damned, and listen after listening to your podcast, I probably still will never see it. But I sure enjoyed that episode. It's a wise move. <laughs> uh, all right, so back to our movie. I'll, I'll just say I think you guys kind of summarized everything for me. Um, you know, the big thing for me that it, where this movie came was so huge. Aside from everything that you said, is just that it launched Jean Claude Van Damme into that psyche again for a. You know, an eight-year-old boy I was when this came out. You know, we had with those action heroes we had were larger than life. We had Stallone, Schwarzenegger, and Van Damme, like, quickly was in that arena for us. And it was, you know, still, like, he's still muscular and and pretty built, but not to the same level that, like, uh, Stallone was. Certainly not. I mean, nobody was Arnold size really at the time but it still kind of fit, fit into that realm of these like statuesque super muscled action heroes but van damme was the one that like he uh, again he was the fighter so he was the like he and again uh you know just a little background from for van damme uh you know if you don't he was uh raised in belgium he was uh an accomplished black belt or uh shotokan karate yep you know, second, he earned a second Dan black belt in Shotokan. He had started at age 10, got his black belt at, at 18, uh, 16. He also took up ballet, which um, with some of the, I forgot this is not a movie with great dance scenes, but he does have some really good dance scenes in some of his movies. Um, he was on the karate, the Belgian karate team um, before he came to the U.S. basically to be a star. And fun fact, I never knew before this movie he was cast as the predator. Yes. He was going to be the predator. And supposedly he <laughs> he whined too much about how restrictive the costume was right and why they wouldn't let him do like martial arts in it. So he ended up getting canned from it. I but I'm like, we almost had Van Damme versus Schwarzenegger. But oh. even though that didn't it happen, wouldn't it, look, it wouldn't have looked the same. Like I, I, heard, I heard that they had a the costume that they had for Van Damme was not the you know alien like a whole different thing right yeah. and the mandible thing with the dreadlocks like no mm. I, <laughs> I i think predator is by the way my favorite action movie of oh, all yeah. time oh, yeah. i think it is like a sensu stricto action movie that's my favorite of all time and i feel it wouldn't have been as good not because of van damme but if it van damme had stuck with it Actually, things that Van Damme abandons turned out turned turn out great too. <laughs> so we have Predator, he abandoned Predator. Predator's freaking awesome. He abandoned the Mortal Kombat series was originally the, the video game series was originally supposed to be a Van Damme themed video game. 
Right, yeah, Johnny Cage was designed. Yeah, Johnny kind Cage of was designed to be Van Dam, but they just threw some sunglasses on him and were like, "All right, that, 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 Johnny Cage now." And you know, like the nut shot with the split and the, uh, the punch <laughs> to the groin, right? That Johnny Cage's famous movie does the Goro in the 1994 movie, right? Um, that's straight from this, like you know, where he punches. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I think it's uh, Pomola. He, you know, ah, yes. and, yeah, punches yep. him right there. Yeah, that's that's all that. So, um, yeah. So thanks for thanks for uh, jumping ship, Van Dam. You, you <laughs> made some good stuff. So, so if Van Dam's in it, it's great. If Van Dam's not in it, ah, it's great. You know, right? Yeah, that's all. Awesome. The thing that, like, especially in this era, uh, you know, you had kind of. When I, even though, you know, we know Stallone from Rocky, so he has his own, like, okay, this is a guy who fights, obviously in a different way. But I don't know, when I think of, like, Stallone and Schwarzenegger in, like, action movies at the time, it's really more of the, the you know, the shooting movies, the action machine guns and all that kind of stuff. And But the fighting martial arts movies, there really were two big guys at this time. It was Van Damme and Seagal. Um, but I always liked, like, to me, I liked Van Damme more because in any, all these movies, like, I mean, all this stuff, like, <laughs> whether it's the, you know, the banana hammock underwear that he's wearing in this, like, the faces, the dancing, like, there's a part of him that even when he's like the star and supposed to be like super badass, like, there's a part of him that's always pretty laughable. I was trying to look up somewhere. I found a review of uh, <laughs> of that Joe Bob Briggs wrote about this movie originally. I think for the Dallas Observer that it, I wish I could find it because whatever he said about Van Damme, he's like he's like I guess this guy is supposed to be tough, but he looks like such a pansy, <laughs> something like that, and you know, in a much more eloquently wonderful uh joe bob Riggs way uh but there's an element of it you're like well you can't hate this guy because like yeah he's manly but he's also like yeah this kind of guy's kind of pathetic a little, little bit i think flamboy- well, he's in- flamboyant yeah, i think yeah. he's a little flamboyant but but actually little- i feel like that if you find me i feel like that works yeah. in this movie because okay. oh it does I, who do we got we, we got we got him who is you know okay another thing to talk about is when we imagine the martial artists, like, come on, this is 88. So before that, the quintessential martial artist was, of course, Bruce Lee. Maybe Ralph Macchio, but definitely Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Bruce Lee. And look at Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee was not a big guy. He was just, he was just made of iron, right? He was just this little, tight, muscular, sinewy guy. And I feel like Van Damme filled that mold. There's a lot of aspects of Van Damme's style not martial arts style but just his kind of style that is a little bruce lee in my mind he's not very big what i'm sorry go ahead he's not very big he's he's you know he's he's cut as hell uh he makes weird faces and goes makes weird noise yeah and does the voice like i noticed when i was watching i'm like i feel like he's like there's a lot of bruce lee imitating here Mm -hmm. and i feel like all the other characters you know really are so different than him like you know let's look jackson's jackson's a monster bolo's a monster the sumo guy's a monster and then the other guys are just either like these generic martial artists or just weird like the guy that jumps around all over the place and all kinds of yeah so so i 
you know, yeah, Van Damme brings his own kind of flamboyancy to that, uh, to the role. But I, I do see, like, I feel like he fit a mold at the right time as well. He Absolutely. did. He did. And I just th- all that stuff makes him uh, how he is makes him likable. Like, even if you're like, there's times with different movies where you're like, yeah, this guy's kind of pathetic in a little way. Uh, just at times you feel, and even there's times in this movie where you're like, he is just trying really hard to be like the, you know, the next Bruce Lee or something, but it, it's almost endearing. And I think just comparing him to like Seagal, you know, even when Seagal was making cool movies uh, before he quickly jumped the shark, uh, I always got the impression watching Seagal movies that like this guy's an asshole. And I mean, and of course, now like we watch now, we know like he has quite prolifically proven that he is uh, he is great um, or that he is an asshole. But uh, you just get that sense. Um, oh, Jason, I Jason, uh, Matt, did I see you found the uh, you found the Joe Bob Briggs? I did. We'll, we'll join it in progress. This Jean-Claude okay. guy is kind of a weenie. He He's okay when he's wearing his swim trunks, cracking skulls with his feet. But as soon as he opens his mouth, you feel like asking him to bring you a shrimp cocktail. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Fortunately, they only let Jean-Claude say about 15 words in the movie, and the rest is Kung Fu City. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well said. Well said. Exactly. We, we could never replicate the awesomeness of... Joe Bob. I'll make sure that goes in the show notes if you want to read the review. It's very good. In fact, the first paragraph, Bloodsport is the movie everybody told me was the greatest kung fu kickboxing since Enter the Dragon. It has Bolo Young in it, the same guy that fought Bruce Lee to the death in Enter the Dragon. That's the first graph. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because he actually did not fight Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon, right? No, he fights John Saxon. John Saxon bites he, him in the leg. Yeah. He right. Roper was supposed to fight. And I want to say there's a cut scene um where he was supposed to fight him. But anyways, we obviously we won't hold that against Joe Bob because he's number one in our hearts. And Joe Bob, if you ever listen to this, we love you. That's right. <laughs> Man, come on the that's, show. That, that's something. Oh, yeah. That's something I need. I would pass out. We talk about guys telling guys they love each other. We love <laughs> Joe Bob Riggs. <laughs> okay, let's anyway. talk about Bolo. Let's talk about, can we talk let's, about Bolo? Yes, this is his best we movie. need to. We this need is to. his yeah. best movie. He gets, okay, let's face it. He gets final billing, you know, like, and and Bolo Young as Chong Lee. Like, so, so they knew, they knew that he was going to be gold and he's absolute gold in this movie and what i love about him aside from you know so i love him in a lot of movies you know he's he's ripped out of his mind you know he's a giant he his kung fu i call it muscle foo because the way he like he does kung fu and it's legitimate kung fu but it almost looks like he's and i'm gonna say it bitch slapping you know it's like Oh, whack, yeah. whack, 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 you know, it's just like it's Kung Fu, but it's almost like he's adding insult to injury when he does yeah. it. He does it it's so well. In this movie. Yeah. He's got the facial expressions that are always great. But there's one thing he does in this movie that I've never seen him do in any other movies. He is such a ham in this movie. And I love it. Oh, yeah. When he wins, he's not like the stoic. I won. Ha ha and walk away he's just like he's cheering he's jumping he's like woo and i'm like (laughs) he's really playing the crowd and i'm like this is a side of bolo i've never seen you know in chinese hercules she's like you know throw him in the river 
That's right. <laughs> like here he's like, yeah. Even when he kills the guy, he's like, why did you stop cheering for me? I just killed someone. It's like, come oh, on. And the, and the judges turn their back on him because he literally murdered someone. And he goes, ah, well, whatever. You know, I, what I do you know? Him? <laughs> I don't blame him for that part. I found that kind of disingenuous on the part of the judges because we know that the last Kumite, he killed a guy yeah. in like, Vince tells us he killed a guy in the ring. They invited him back. So I'm like, oh, now he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, come on. Get over it. You knew what you were getting. Chong Lee comes to kill people. They knew. They knew what they were getting. We told you in the invitation, no killing this time, (laughs) please. (laughs) Yes, he right. And he's like, he's a legitimate martial artist. He, I again, started training in Kung Fu at the age of 10. Um, again, was a bodybuilder, Mr. Hong Kong bodybuilding champion, uh, has pecs the size of New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) The interesting thing I saw that he, so he first met Bruce Lee, uh, while they were filming a Winston cigarettes commercial. And I would love to find that commercial. I did like a quick search and I couldn't find anything useful, but I was not on YouTube, but that's, I don't know. Uh, I was, yeah, I don't know. If anyone can find that, I, I would love to see that. Is it but, just uh, the yeah, they became what? friends there and they were close friends. Um, it, that obviously influenced him getting into, into Enter the Dragon. And, um, you know, but then, right, this movie then really propelled him into, especially in, at this time, as martial arts movies kind of blew up in the U.S. Uh, kind of the, the second wave, right? Like we've talked before about that, the Chopsaki wave in the 70s. Um, you know, that had kind of died out by the time we got into, you know, now we're talking late 80s and Bloodsport was a big movie and launching kind of this next wave of, uh, it's the really, it's the white guy martial artists, right? The Van yeah. Damme and Seagal. Uh, but we had other stuff like Karate Kid, Best of the Best. And, uh, you know, so there's a, a moment too and. And it's kind of cool that Bolo Young was able to, because of this movie, kind of get in that. You know, he did a few with Van Damme, uh, did some other ones. He did one I'm very interested to see. I watched parts of uh, Tiger Claws. Have any of you guys seen that? I've heard of it. Never seen it. He's, He's I like believe, the lead in that, right? Yeah, you can. I believe you can find the entire thing on YouTube. Um but it's like he's a serial killer and it's kind of like a cop thing. But he's like and I want to say it's like that he's killing like Kung Fu or martial arts masters. Um, that sounds which amazing. I know there's another. What's that Donnie N movie? Isn't doesn't he have one like the Kung Fu killer or something where that's what it's called? I think that's the actual title. I think. Right. That's right. And that's where I think it's similar where it's like someone who's hunting down master. I mean, you know, this is a common thing. But anyways, I've heard the Tiger Claws. Uh, a very interesting one, but you know, Bolo was able to get a uh, long career, and a lot of it was helped because of the movie. And I know we had mentioned before his actual his birth name was Yangtze, and but he adopted the name Bolo after or went by that as like his uh, screen name after Under the Dragon, capitalizing on the success there, and was in a ton of uh, Hong Kong films afterwards, including the one Dom had just mentioned, Chinese Hercules. Uh, where he is the uh, that was one of his monikers, right? The he was the Chinese Hercules. I mean, the man looks like Hercules. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting um, things you mentioned the white guy martial arts movies. 
Um, I noticed that uh, when we were talking about the end of the dragon, you mentioned how, you know, how Bruce Lee really changed the way Westerners viewed um, Asians in that, you know, they used to kind of see them in an emasculated way and in a weak way. And then like Bruce Lee comes along and they're like, these guys kick ass. I feel like, by the time Bloodsport came around, that impression had fermented so much to the point where, like, it's the world where we grew up, where there was this the stereotype had gone from the weak Asian to Asians are essentially magical. Like, like, let's <laughs> face it. In no, I mean, Bloodsport does that. Bloodsport does a lot of things where it's like martial arts not you know it's not it's not the you know it went from martial arts what are those to martial arts work and they kick ass now to martial arts are essentially magic because like the things that dukes does like when he snatches the coin and replaces it it's like come on you know and like the touch of death and the fact that he can fight blind you know like he's freaking daredevil and all that stuff like the mysticism thing like that was totally like the 80s like asian culture like at this point it was a stereotype that asian culture somehow tapped into you know tapped into this like secret magical thing that's beyond martial arts it's what you're saying is you want to talk about big trouble in little china is what you're saying yeah (laughs) in a way yeah (laughs) but also like also gremlins gremlins where did the mogwai come from wasn't you know they weren't from you know wisconsin they were from you know chinatown and who knows where they came from before that you know it's just kind of like the far east is magical and powerful and dangerous and you know that kind of thing sure sure Right. And it's, you know, when you go even further into the future, even to now, like uh, you'll hear a lot of Asian actors will say like, you know, that they some of them are very hesitant to do any sort of uh, not even martial arts movies, but movies where there's fighting involved because they're like, you know, we're seen now we're seen as, uh, you know, your well, your role in movies is to be the the kung fu superstar, the action star. So, uh, you know, or that's kind of the. It is interesting, right? And that's something I'm sure as we look at more contemporary movies, right, is something we'll talk about, too. But that's a that's a great observation, Dom, that it was almost like now it's the right. It's this kind of stereotypical mystical view. So I mean, think about it like when Van Damme shows when when Duke shows up and and they're like, you know, you represent the Tanaka clan. It's like you don't look like a Tanaka. And he's like, I was trained, you know, by him and he passed on his wisdom and his wisdom wasn't like this is how you punch. This is how you kick. This is how you block. It's like legit physics defying magic, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Now, I I like to jump in, like speaking of fighting styles and stuff, this movie really does a lot like the different fighting styles. It it really like, um, you know, so I did a little homework here and and went through like the major fighters and like the stuff that they do differently. Yeah. Mind if I jump onto this? Yeah, do it, man. Go for it. Because like so. So Dukes is like um, ninjutsu is his thing. And. I mean, I gotta be perfectly honest. I don't know what ninjutsu is. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's kind of our question: is yeah. is ninjutsu it, like? Is there an actual like? Is it an actual style, or is it a? 
thing to sell stuff to white yeah, people. I mean, let's let, yeah, let's face it. Like Jean Claude Van Damme in the movie looks like he's doing karate and some kickboxing and splits and lots of you know his sexy fighting style. Like yeah. I ch- yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, like I kind of consider ninjutsu as basically the sesame chicken of martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we can look into it, but, uh, you know, like, because ninjas, let's face it, ninjas were, were assassins. So, you know. Right. The ninjas were of, real, yeah. but this yeah. whole idea of this ninjutsu, like. like they, yeah, they have weaponry to kill people. Like, is it ninjutsu right. to use, like, a sniper rifle? Because that's what they would use if they had them. They wouldn't, like, run up and kill someone with their bare hands if they didn't have to. So right, I, right. I feel like I'm a little skeptical. Also, as we know, Dukes was full of crap. So yeah, I'm sure we'll yeah, get we'll, to that. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get into yeah. that in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got Chong Lee, who's clearly doing kung fu, muscle fu, as I like to call it. You know, because he's just slapping people around. Jackson, what did, what did you say, Mike? He's basically doing WWE yeah, like professional his wrestling. Style is basically pro wrestling. Yeah, yes. yeah. He just like you know hammer fists and just throws people. You know. Um, the Hussein beers on the yeah, way just, <laughs> to so, the match. So, we got to so get my, there. Well, I'm pounding a beer. <laughs> so my wife describes him as is like, this is what happens when you mix McDonald's beer and steroids together. You get this man <laughs> 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 or much the uh, 1980s WWF. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you got Hussein, which is the guy that wants, you know, the guy that like basically barters for the reporter um, who is, you know, he wears a turban and he's clearly supposed to be the bad guy from the Middle East, even though mm-hmm. he's actually an actor from <laughs> Hong Kong and not a martial artist at all. Now he's actually an English teacher. I found out. He, really? They found, they found him at a gym and they're like, you want to be in the movie? And he's like, okay. <laughs> he was in the movie and then he was in a couple of the movies and then he became an English teacher. Uh, you never actually see him fight all that much in the movie. So I'm not going to say he has much of a style. Um, so there's this guy like Swan Par- um What is his Paradez? I believe is the, his name is in the movie, but um, the actor, actually, this one is famous, is Michael uh, Q-I-S-S-I. So I think it's Kessie or Quessy, right? Yeah. He is in Kickboxer. He's in a bunch of other Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. So actually, he met Jean-Claude Van Damme in Belgium. They both moved to America to become movie stars. And so they actually hopscotched from a lot of mo- in a lot of movies together. Um yeah, so he's uh, he's the one that got his leg compound fractured by Chong Lee, right? Oh, and he's man, in a bunch of a bad yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oof. So he does Shotokan too. He's also a, a Muay Thai guy, and as well as done some other kickboxing. Yeah, so he he so Jean Claude invited him to come along on this movie, and they are actually in a several movies together, and they were pretty good friends. So so this is actually when we do Kickboxer, we'll bring them up again. I'm assuming we're going to do Kickboxer, right? Oh, of course, we have to. Wait, so who's the dude that like does where he has his fists out in front of him and they're close together? Oh, that guy. That guy. Like uh, that that's guy. Paolo Toka. That guy is legit. Like he is a legit, he is a legit Muay Thai kickboxer. Um, in this movie, he's called Paco. And on a lot of movies, he's called Paco. Like he did the whole bolo thing where he just kind of kept the name, but that guy has been in a ton. He is a legit 
Muay Thai kickboxer. He's won. He was like one of the few Westerners that was respected at the time as a Muay Thai kickboxer. He won all these awards. He's been in a ton of movies. His IMDb page is stacked. You like, can tell because when he kicks, like it, there's yeah. a weight behind it where you're like, the, the other guys don't have that. Like it's like a train hits someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I did Muay Thai. I did very little Muay Thai about like 10 years ago. So I'm, I'm familiar. I mean, there's not a gazillion moves in it. So like you, it, Muay Thai is more about the combinations and the reactions, but that guy, like his, like, it looks like as far as uh, I feel like the other guys are kind of showing off. Right. But him though, he's, he's legit Muay Thai fighting and he does those, like those repeat kicks and the guys chops the guys down. He kicks one guy in this, he does the low kick to the shin, you know, he does the elbows and the flying punches and stuff like, yeah, Paco's legit. We will see him again. I guarantee it. Like he, yeah. he's, yeah, I'd argue when that. Man- yeah, go ahead. I was going to say when, when Van Damme and him, like when they're trading kicks, like that was like one of my favorite moments in the movie when I was yeah. a kid. And I was just reading that they, they had to tell him to kind of tone it down. So Van Damme looked better than him uh, <laughs> when they're doing that exchange, because it he was just so vicious with those like sidekicks. Oh yeah. That guy, that guy's le- like, he's, he's seriously legit. We should kind of pursue movies with him. Cause he's great. We just only do movies. He's our new bolo. <laughs> no, we can't betray hey, both. Right, Listen, we our pantheon of patron saints can be huge. I take it back. Um <laughs> so he can earn his way into our hearts. Another guy, and this is Mike specifically you asked me to mention to look this up. The guy who like bounces around like an idiot. Yes. That's not a fighting style. <laughs> <laughs> like I looked everywhere. So like a lot of times they call him the monkey fighter, which I mean, irks me very, very much considering he, the actor is an African-American man. Like what very the cringy. hell? Right. Well, Don't that's do like, that. is, it, is no. this an actual style or is it super no, racist? It is not. No, it's not. So monkey style is a type of Kung yeah. Fu, but you're right. not on all fours. You're basically, you're, you got your arm, one arm cocked up. You have a very wide stance, but you're, well, you're like by, you're bipedal, you know. Like, like I mean, like, he's, he's hopping yeah. into the tree for coconuts. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. And, like, and there's part where he's like, like scratching his head like a monkey. I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's like in the discipline. No, 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 no. Actually, um, right. So I don't know what he did at the time, but now he's a capoeira guy. Which yes, makes that's sense, what I saw. Eric Neff, very is agile. Eric Neff is his name. Yeah, he's yep. he's a very agile uh, capoeira guy, which mm-hmm. makes sense. But like that jumping around like 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 a maniac. Yeah, that's, that's not it's, capoeira. No, it's not capoeira. So please don't watch that movie and be like, that looks like fun. I'm going to do right. that. And you go to a capoeira school and like start picking fleas out of people's heads. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. yeah. yeah. I, it's very cringy but um but yeah um I will say, though, it's it's entertaining though i mean maybe cin- you know racist yes cinematic maybe again that's all i'm saying <laughs> throwing it out there but anytime he fought it until he had to fight the uh sumo wrestler i was like th- yeah. i kind of like this guy the sumo wrestler is played by david ho and uh, he's just a giant guy, and you know is he, he does he, the is he sumo dirty, as in dirty? He, I, I mean, he looked kind of dirty, so maybe he was kind of an unkempt hoe. Not really necessarily. <laughs> dirty I'm just really excited for us to do eventually do dirty hoe. I just, I just want a sequel to Dirty Hoe, just unkempt hoe. I, I like that a lot. <laughs> 
that's if you folks, if you want punches and popcorn to develop a sequel to Dirty Ho called Unkempto. Unkempto uh, coming. Starring Dr. Dom. Yes. <laughs> and of and of course, what makes David Ho, you know, the one the memorable thing in the movie is he's the size of a small elephant and he suffers from the nutshot, you know, the classic split nutshot Johnny oh, yeah. Cage thing. Which, you know, um also another thing. So Van Damme gets like two solid shots on him. The first one is a, you know, where he does this like, you know, cocked back and pops and punches him and like like, democks his his stomach. Yeah, it feels like a demock thing, but like, you know, he's like, oh, so it's like, right. You know, it's like, oh, he did something magical. He injected him with his magic. Well, that sounds really bad, but. Keep that because that's funny. <laughs> Isolate that. Isolate that. <laughs> and then of course the split nut, the guy, and then he just knocks him down. Yeah, there's um and then there's a couple other ones like uh John Chen plays Toon Wing Sum, who's a kung fu guy, and there's lots of there's lots of karate guys and kung fu guys there. You know, we're kind of throwaways and stuff like that. But that's what I love about this movie. There's so many different styles of martial arts. Yeah, it's a buffet. Yeah, it's a buffet. Also, another thing is they're all wearing silk. Did you notice they're all wearing they're like they're all shiny? All their pants are shiny and, and like Oh, do you know do you know the story behind that? Go on. So apparently this is a, this is a good segue for us to get into um and I won't like go all the way into it right now, but Frank Duke, so Frank Dukes, the man that this movie is quote unquote based on, uh, was the fight choreographer for this movie. Um, he and he also uh, essentially designed the costumes. So that story he tells is that uh, whatever the costumes were, they first had, you know, somebody from the studio basically thought they were terrible. So he had his wife like fly back to LA to buy like I want to say like buy like textiles and and like basically hand create all these so the the those silky costumes like that's dukes himself saying like this ain't right and we need to make these ourselves and this is what he came up with so if you believe frank dukes and that's a big if you believe is huge and we'll uh you know we'll get to more on that later but uh I you think know, later is now. I think later is now. Yeah, I want to. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, the one the one thing I do want to kind of just kind of following up on that when you're talking about all these guys here, the thing that's really memorable about this movie, um, and I think is part of why we love this movie and why it's great, is uh, there's no stuntmen in this movie. All of the fighters did their like they actually did these moves. They did, which is why the you know the emphasis was on finding fighters for the most part that they wanted people who could actually fight uh, so they didn't have stuntmen or uh, so there's a there's a brutal authenticity to a lot of this right and uh-huh. to frank duke's credit again he was the fight choreographer so he put this stuff together so and again it's really entertaining and fun to see so i mean that's great the, the problem with uh, so yeah let's talk about frank dukes the i there's frank dukes the character that uh we see in this movie and uh, he, Frank Dukes, says he is. And then there's uh, maybe what Frank Dukes might actually be. So what we know about Frank Dukes is he was born in Canada, came to America, and he served in the Marine Corps Reserve from 75 to 81. Uh, that's what we know. Everything else is <laughs> disputed. So some of the background here, 
Um, Frank Dukes had originally told, you know, had told this story about how he fought in the Kumite at 1975, which according to him, it's this secret tournament that happens every five years that just like we see in the movie, different masters get, uh, you know, people from the Kumite or different schools, whatever. They get noticed by this IFAA, this organization that they talk about in the movie that doesn't sound like it's actually ever been a real organization from what I could tell that they find these people, they send these secret invites and every five years there's this tournament that's, you know, just like we saw here, it's, it's full contact, different styles versus different styles to see who's the best. Um, so originally this was in a 1980 uh, issue of black belt and our professor here dug a, a copy of that. Um, so that you can find it online. It's kind of interesting to read. So he said that he was in this, uh, you know, so his story, so his story, right? So he will admit, yes, I was in the Marines. Um, and he will say that, you know, he's 75. He fought in the Kumite, uh, in his version, it happened in the Caribbean. And, you know, he went down there. He's the first American recorded the fit. So everything we see in this movie, except it was in the Caribbean, like basically is what he says happened. Um, he also said that he was sent on covert missions to Southeast Asia. He was awarded the Medal of Honor, and then he was a covert CIA agent, which I feel like anytime someone goes to the like, I was a covert CIA agent, like I, I pretty much at this time just assumed that they actually were not because <laughs> and no, anyone who says this for themselves, it's never true. Right. Um, so anyway, that's what he said. Now, the. And he said, oh, and he said before that, that he was he was taken to Japan at the age of 16 by this Senzo Tanaka, this guy that we saw in the movie, um, who fun connection to Enter the Dragon. The actor, um, is it Roy Chow? I I should have this in front of me. The actor that played Tanaka was one of the the Shaolin monks in Enter the Dragon. So just fun connection there to Enter the Dragon. He's also um, the mobster at the beginning of Temple of Doom. That oh yes, yes, oh. exactly. Thank you. Um, he so he says that there was this guy Tanaka that he that took him to Japan and trained him in ninjutsu, and that's where he got his expertise from. Um, there's no proof that Tanaka, there the person of Tanaka, ever existed. Uh, no one can find any evidence of this. Um. So about his claims of going to Southeast Asia, again, he joined the Marines in 1975. Uh, we were out of Vietnam in 75. Uh, he implies it's in Vietnam. He was in Vietnam. Later, he would say, oh, well, I said Southeast Asia, and it was covert. So, uh, you know, you you don't know. Like, I can't, I can't tell you the truth, or I'd have to kill you. Um, but again, we were gone. Like, the helicopters had taken off from the roof of the embassy and all that fun stuff. There was an American officially in uh in vietnam at that time um you know no no record of him having a medal of honor uh no record of him with the cia uh people such as uh former cia director robert gates Storman norman schwarzkopf all said this guy's full of crap uh even soldier of fortune magazine basically said all of his claims are complete crap um and uh, you know soldier of fortune is i would say isn't like one that generally take like stabs at veterans so I think if they're coming after you, they're probably full of crap. Um, and I know that they he sued them for liable and he lost the lawsuit. So it, there's been a lot of people doubt it, and there's never been any like there's never been any substantial evidence that any of his claims are actually true. 
Um, he, uh, it, but he did create, as they kind of say in the end, they do his little honor roll at the end of the movie. He did create a, a ninjutsu school. Again, I, I would love to know more, like, how is this viewed in the martial arts or how was it viewed when he, this Dux Ryu ninjutsu school? Whatever that means. Uh, um, and again, if we have any listeners that know more about it, uh, you know, that's kind of a blind spot for us. So definitely reach out. Again, the I'm email good. is punches and popcorn at Gmail. We'd love to hear more. But uh, I'm, Mike, I'm going to do devil's advocate here. So okay. Yeah. What I'm saying. Disinformation. Sometimes you got to give too much information. You're throwing out some false stuff there. Keep people on their toes because I watched this movie as well as you did. And at the end of the movie, it tells me. Frank Duke's facts. So I got him as the fastest <laughs> knockout, 3.2 seconds. I got him as fast as punch with a knockout, 0. 0.12 seconds. I got him as fast as kick with a knockout, point, or I'm sorry, 72 miles per hour. Sorry, I'm just reading off my phone right now. And most consecutive knockouts in a single tournament, 56. That all sounds accurate to me. I, I hate to be that guy, but I'm, I'm being that guy here. It's, you know, it's- Frank Duke's. It's hard. It's hard to say. Um, you know, he's certainly interesting. He uh, he has a website that's full of broken links. Um, he's on Twitter. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, let's let's call them let's go Brandon ish type comments on it, which again fits with the brand of this being uh, the unfortunately our former president, former favorite movie. Um, he. <laughs> Doesn't help with it, um, you know. But this movie really kind of propelled him into the spotlight. The thing that I found interesting is, you know, so this there was this article in Black Belt in 1980 that talked about Kumite, and there's like numerous other articles in like Black Belt, Inside Kung Fu, and other things where he would go on and on about the Kumite that like these magazines apparently would just take as fact that oh yeah, this guy he seems credible, like this is all true, and they just print these articles like it's it's accurate. Um, but the the writer of the movie, uh, Sheldon Lidditch, I'm going to mispronounce this. I don't have it right in front of me at the moment. Um, Lidditch, Sheldon Lidditch, uh, who also wrote Rambo 3. There's Rambo Connection, uh, Lionheart, and Double Impact. He actually directed Double Impact. So uh, I've another never one seen Double Impact. You so have, oh, it's, I haven't seen it in a I'm, long time. I'm totally it's, willing to do it. You haven't seen it's, two Van Dams in one movie? <laughs> and I believe that one. There is uh, some fantastic Van Damme dancing in it, uh, <laughs> and I, that's a bolo. I think that's another bolo one. I think that's another one the bolo's in. So I mean, we basically at this point we have to do it, right? But the interesting yeah. thing about Sheldon Lettich, so Sheldon Lettich said, you know, he's the writer for the movie, and he said he kind of knew Frank Ducks Dukes, um, right? I mean, he quite famously in the movie, make sure we know how to pronounce it. Um, he. Like he was out in Hollywood trying to like, you know, get stuff made and Lettich met him. And according to him, he's like, yeah, I could basically tell this sounded like complete bullshit, but it sounded like the whole idea of the Kumite sounded like an awesome idea. So I decided, you know, we wrote a movie for this and, you know, and of course he was right. It was. But the interesting thing about when we talk about, I feel like the words that come to mind most often with Frank Dukes now are stolen valor. I mean, he was written about in a book called Stolen Valor about people like him that claimed to have a Medal of Honor that Yikes. didn't actually have one. Um, but Sheldon Lettich was actually in Vietnam. He was a Marine. He was in Force Recon. Like, so you have to admit, like Sheldon Lettich sounds like he was actually a pretty badass guy that actually did serve in like the behind enemy lines in Vietnam. 
And then we've got Frank Dukes, who was in the Marine Corps Reserve after Vietnam. And uh, according to all service records, never left the United States. Um, but of course, Frank will say that the government covered up and changed all the records because they were uh, vindictive of him. Which uh, it kind of brings me to another point in the movie that I always question, like, why are these... Uh, I would assume they're Department of Defense investigators, uh, including the great Forrest Whitaker, who mm-hmm. coincidentally, like he, you know, does no fighting in this movie. But he actually is. Uh, is he is it Shotokan? Uh, but he is a martial artist like before this. He where I wrote this down somewhere. Um, I'll have to look at it. We can fact check this later. But I know he had I believe he had a black belt in karate uh, like from a young age. So, uh, you know. He was actually an accomplished martial artist too, even though he wasn't a martial artist in this movie. Well, but these invest. Oh, sorry, Mike. I was just going to say, we talked about this before, I, I think, just in the chat is that um, obviously this is the origin story of Ghost Dog. I guess it's, I know it's that's got samurai it. stuff in Ghost <laughs> Dog. But what he's doing in here at the end of the movie, obviously, he is a cop in this film and he's ready to get Van Damme. And at the end of the movie, he's kind of like into the you know, final tournament between Van Damme and, and Chung Lee. So oh, yeah. I'm thinking he sees this, he's like, oh my God, this is great. And right. then, and then well, eventually we get Ghost Dog. So it's it's basically, uh, you know, a Ghost Dog MCU situation here. Right. Well, I mean, it's these investigators, just like the reporter. Uh, I love how they go from you cannot compete in this to like, we're going to stop you from going into here to we're basically eating popcorn in the front row. Like, right. Exactly. You on. They're like, oh, oh, Frank Dukes, the like but, marmy. Ending. But, but uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, you know, this is all um, a Frank Duke vehicle in a way, because like, think about it, you know. I mean, because he's he's on furlough. He can leave. He can go anywhere he wants. It's he didn't go AWOL. What right. it was is is he was on leave and he planned on going to the Kumite. They found out, and he is so valuable to the country, and they've invested <laughs> right. so much time and money right. turning him into essentially Wolverine right. that he, you know, they <laughs> want they need to tase him and drag his unconscious ass back so he can fuck for us you know yeah exactly that that's essentially the thing is they're like you are so amazing we don't want you to get hurt it's like the pro ball right (laughs) it's funny because like we we never see him in in uniform like uh, yeah I, i mean i watch it and i'm just like where, like, what soldier going AWOL do they put, like, this much effort into finding? It's just like, eh, when you come back here, you're going to get arrested. But he didn't uh, go AWOL. That's the thing. Right. He, he didn't like, go gotta- AWOL. Also, like, uh, okay, I'm just going to bring this up. He's in the States, right? Right. And he's flying to Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah. Now, Hong Kong, not Canada. <laughs> Hong friggin Kong don't you think they could have revoked his passport if he was that important to the government don't you think they could have sent out a message to all the all the airports and been like revoke his passport and they were like okay like come on <laughs> it's just so ridiculous maybe though the counter I would have is that in 1988 it probably would it might not have been that easy they didn't have the infrastructure at that point that's, that's right awesome. yeah and remember yeah. the time too Hong Kong was a British pr- protectorate so it might have been a little easier to pass in. I still it. think you needed a visa. 
Yeah, Maybe. you you would you would still think you would have been able. To, I mean, again, it's, yeah. we're stretching we're stretching the uh, the limits of. Uh, we can't read too much into this, right? <laughs> we yeah, it's not a documentary. Too much. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on who you talk to, because I think if you talk to old Frankie, it's uh, it's well, very much a documentary. Story, right? <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, so I like to think of this as based on a true story in the same way that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based on a true story. <laughs> I was going to say Jungle Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. So, I don't know. Who knows? Now probably Frank Dukes will find us and want to kill us. Oh, and- God, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, you're welcome to come on our show and validate all your there claims. There you go. <laughs> oh, one thing I'd like to mention. Um, you remember how we were talking about King Boxer and how they're like, you know, you can't fight on the street. You have to fight in in tournament, right? You know, right. and yet, like an hour and forty five minutes goes by of them fighting in the street, killing each other <laughs> in the street, and then finally the tournament happens. Like, and, and it was great for the plot. I'm not I'm not knocking it. But what I like about Bloodsport is it actually they stick to it. I don't think there's any street fighting at all. Everyone's yeah. just like, we'll save it for the Kumite. And they're like, all right, this sounds good. And they go back to their hotel rooms, they hang out, they have room service. Like it's, you know, <laughs> right, right, it right, seems right, like right. an actual, they, they, it has a certain degree of, um, it is, you know, it's over the top, but you know, it's not dramatic in that way. You know, they actually stick to it. Like <laughs> everyone fought outside the tournament. Right, like, right. Come on. But yeah, <laughs> but that's and another thing I like about this movie, and I'm I'm gonna sound like an old man, and I don't care. The movie is an hour and a half. And yes, it's perfect. It's yes. a nice, neat hour yes. and a half. I yeah, nice minute movie. I I love comic book movies. I do. But you know what? They don't have to be this long. Did I talk about this this time? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it's something I complain about a lot. But like, come on, man. Batman was three hours long. The new Batman movie, which was good. I liked it. Three hours? Three hours. Come on. I yeah, like, like they get in, they give us a lot of fights, and they get out. Yeah, I like I like. You know, this movie's just like it's an hour and a half. It's exactly what I'm looking for. And that's not to take away from it. You know, brevity is a skill that I feel like directors don't have anymore. So you know what? I yes. agree. I'm totally. just saying it. I'm saying this it. This movie's like, super concise and tight. Yeah. And it's it's just a another thing I love about Canon is they get a lot in there. There's they know montages, it's the eighties, they get a lot yes. of information through. They and there's there's great little character moments in this that I love. I don't even know if you call them character moments, but just personality. Like there's this one scene where the, the uh, one guy gets a, a tooth kicked out, gold tooth, and then you got the the the, the cleaner of the, oh, the mats yeah. there. He runs over and like, oh, this, He's is, like, this is a good for me. Right. Stuff where, where the two uh, <laughs> cops are having a meal and then they throw the, you know, the leftovers to the dog and the dog's like, this is disgusting. Even the dog <laughs> won't eat what they're eating. So there's just like little little personality right. bits like that, which I think kind of make the movie for me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like one of my favorite things that I like watching in a Van Damme movie. And I don't think they always do this, but especially in his early ones where they have to like insert something in a scene to explain why he has this accent, even though he's supposed to be an American. Um, and I like, so in this one, we get the like thing where Tanaka's meeting his parents and he throws in the like, 
oh, you are here to work on the vineyards. And you're like, oh, okay, this is this kind of like French sounding accent. That makes right. total sense. I like the you use science to grow vines. I use science to train boys. <laughs> <laughs> and they give Gross his fish. Uh, he has a fish hatchery. Oh, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> train boys. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and they also what kind of show are you doing? Well, he goes into something about like raising them, raising children both together. They right. He they use science for vines. I use science for fish. But together we both raise children or something like that. <laughs> I swear there's a connection and not. <laughs> oh, so okay. Let's let's uh, let's just skip right past that section. <laughs> all right, uh, guys. We all right. So. We talked about a lot of the fighters, uh, just your kind of opinion here. Outside of Frank or Jean-Claude and Chong Lee Bolo, who is your favorite? Who is your favorite fighter in this tournament? Who's your guy? Jason, you go first. I think I, think I already said it, but it, would you say his name was Paco? Yeah, Paco. Yeah. I just, I don't know, something about his, you almost think like the little hands together in front of him are going to be lame. And, and then he just starts wailing on people. I just, I just, he stole the movie for me at certain times. And also, honestly, not a fighter, but their little kind of handler. Was it was it Victor? I, oh, I Victor, that might have been. I kept thinking Vince. Or maybe it's Vince. I'm sorry. I don't know. No, I, th- I think Victor is right. But I, I just love where he's 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 got all these one liners like, guys, we're going to go out here at night. And it's after he gave that, you know, that history lesson. He's like, you got to protect your nuts. Like, so he gave you. History oh, lesson, yeah. And then he gets a little color in there at the end. So I'm I, I just this movie just keeps giving keeps giving. And he's kind of got a great like roosterish mullet thing going on too. That's right, you know. Yes, that's that plants us squarely where we are in the era. Um, True, Matt Dom, who's your uh, favorite? For me, it's Big Ray. Big Ray all day. Give me that hoss fight every time. I, you know, I would agree with you. We know we are both sharing a, an affinity for professional wrestling. Like I said, I see him and I, I just think a hacksaw Jim Duggan, yeah. and I like I. I, you know, his arm is basically the two by four. Uh, <laughs> There's a history I mean, of big bruising dudes that look like him. Bruiser Brody and, and like right. I said earlier, oh, Stan oh, Hansen. Oh, that's a sad story. Yeah, we're yes. not going to get into the bruiser, but like raise the best, man. Why are you going to enter the tournament? I wanted to add another scar. Like what right. a badass way to go <laughs> okay. into it. Like right. the, good. the dude rules. <laughs> I love like when you see him to what everybody's doing, these like crazy, like training things like Bolo's just crushing these enormous blocks of ice. Like he's just ham handed punching this heavy bag. Yeah. Like even yeah. there, like he's just like, poor, poor, poor. He's just a bruiser, right? Yeah. He's mine too. Uh, you know, and he delivers like all the best lines uh, are him. Like the, he has a ton of great lines, know, right? When he sees, Jean-Claude in a split and he's like, Do you want to have kids someday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I think he's I think he is the best actor in the movie. Like without a doubt. I think I oh, think yeah. he's the most appealing character. I think he does the best job. I'd like to see him in other things aside from Nerds. <laughs> I saw when I went up to bed last night, I saw that that was on TV and I turned it on specifically <laughs> because I wanted to see 
uh, Gibbs. <laughs> it's like I need more Jackson. <laughs> so, so, so I have a, I, I'm, I, I kind of have a tie for my favorite. My favorite legit fighter is totally Paco because, like, he, oh, yeah. he's. So I, I'd argue if you wanted to watch this movie and you wanted to get anything that's remotely legitimate, uh, like legitimate martial arts out of it, watching him is just a treat because he's like you could tell he knows what he's doing. But I don't even know this guy's name. But I love the part in this. I believe it's the last day, or no, it's the second to last day. Uh, Dukes goes up against this very large black man who looks him in the eye, points at him, does the thing across his neck, <laughs> and then gets his ass whooped. And then do we he doesn't land him? a. He doesn't land a single shot. <laughs> like I just remember watching that, and I was like. What the fuck? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, he literally showboats like a psychopath for longer than he's actually in the match. And I absolutely love <laughs> Right, not a sing not a single not, not, not a, a single, single shot. Oh. And boom boom, he's off the mat. <laughs> Which the mat, speaking of Dom, I don't know if you'd know this. I was kind of interested in the the mat in the final match. Where it's like it's like ramps yeah, on both ramp. sides. Yeah, I don't I don't know why they did that. I was wondering that myself. I had no idea why it was a, it was like basically canvas the whole time. Right. It was it was basically you know canvas with no turnbuckles, right? Just right. an open you know canvas mat with sand on the outside. So if you land outside, you don't get hurt. I mean, it seemed like it made sense to me. But then yeah, when in the final fight, they dip it down. I don't know why. I have no idea about, why. Here's my theory. It's a plot device where they're like how do we make sure there's dust in this ring so we can throw up van damme's eyes we'll have like a well he has the, the he has the, the pill, the pill that he yeah. punches oh yeah oh my god yeah, it's a he gets a pill that he slips today. into his waistband there oh, i thought he collected dust from the trough of the fighting <laughs> no, so he throws <laughs> this pill head. whatever this pill is that like is in his eye and so i know we were hating on van damme earlier but he's Blind acting is so out of control. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. I just, it's so over the top. And <laughs> I know it's going to sound insensitive, but I feel like if a vision impaired person could watch his performance, I think they would be like, this guy, this guy knows what's up. There's so many I, things wrong with what you just said. I love it. I like, so many things. Like, the best way, but I just adore his. He is so crazy and, and just out of control and just screaming. It's, I, I just. <laughs> I love I love that moment where it, that's when he wins me over. Also, another moment I love when I was a kid. Let me get to this, and I, I promise I'll stop talking, everyone. So no, when I'm going, a kid and go, I'm watching, and I'm, I don't know, you know, the, obviously the opening movie is a montage, but when he's a little kid in in uh, Tanaka, like uses the samurai sword to chop off his his uh, is it a New York Mets hat? No, he's got so this. He has San Francisco Giants hat and a New York Giants shirt. That's weird colors. Is that the orange? No, I think it's from I'm like a thing. Yeah. No, I, I it's thought, a New York Giants shirt. <laughs> it's just real in the Giants. I, that's what I like when I was a kid. I was like, I okay, said, USA. <laughs> <laughs> what a great line that was. My favorite team is the Nye Mets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that's great. Sorry, Jay. What were you saying? I got you. Well, I'm done. I, I just I think you guys improved on what I was just basically, you know. Just bunting and then let you guys hit the home run. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, side note, just because that made me think of uh, Tanaka there and the connection with Enter, Dra- Enter the Dragon. Another uh, Enter the Dragon connection is uh, that great Bolo line from this movie where he says, Brick, don't hit back. Um, is a callback, and I read that it was intentional, uh, callback to in uh, Enter the Dragon when there's that moment the, when they're breaking the boards, right? And, uh, and I, is it Bolo or someone that says board don't hit back? No, it's Bruce, that Bruce, 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 right? Bruce, Bruce said it. Wow. Right, right, right. That's cool. Boards don't hit back. That it, nice so this tie. is an intentional callback to it. And this is a great segue, too, because I think we are at our time where we need to get into Dom Science Corner. Speaking of breaking bricks, I don't know. I've just like gave it that. But uh, Dom, feel free to correct me. In. All right, all right. We're going to talk about the Dimak today. Like, so Dimak, which translates, I guess, loosely to touch of death, right? If you recall from the movie, Frank uh, Frank Duke shows up and they're like, you're Tanaka? You must know the Dimak, the touch of death. And it's like, okay, you know. So the Dimak the is something that you see in a lot of movies, the touch of death. They make fun of it in The Simpsons and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it's the plot device. I mean, everything, every, everything, every, even Batman does it. Batman, the animated series, you know, kill that can does it to him. Um, so it's this idea. It's, it, it goes back to China, even Chinese fantasy from a long time ago, that there are some moves that you can do to someone where you just touch a pressure point or you apply pressure in a certain area and they instantly die or they go into some sort of cardiac arrest or whatever. And they die there in real life. There is no technique that can do that. I feel like anyone who does martial arts regularly would have killed people by accident plenty of times. Cause I feel like I've stuck an elbow or a knuckle or a knee on every place you could possibly put in a person at a lot of that by accident. And you know, it could have happened. So there's no real life application in this. Definitely no actual technique, but here's the thing that I think Wait, is uh, hold on a second, Matt, can you isolate at some point where, Dom just said that he has stuck an elbow or knee into any place you could something a lot. We need to save that one. All right. it, it'll be on a button for next show. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah. 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 Put things in places. That's martial arts. Anyway. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, but there. So. You, t- you totally messed up my momentum. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, that's, that's why we're here. You anyway, don't interrupt a lecture. Uh, but <laughs> like, you know, there is. But here's the thing: even though there's definitely no technique where, like, you just poke a guy and he dies, right? There may be a basis for the for the theory. Okay. Um. So, what you can do is. If you hit someone or a projectile hits someone in the chest at an exact specific time during the heartbeat, they can go into cardiac arrest, right? What happens is if you apply enough force that more than 50 joules of pressure go to the heart at in a 10 to 30 millisecond interval, during the beginning of what's called the T wave, what'll happen is that's when the ventricle fills up with blood. 
you'll disrupt that process. The ventricle won't fill up with blood. So the heart, it will go into arrhythmia and freak out and you'll have a heart attack, right? This happens very, very, very infrequently in sports. If people get hit at the wrong time, they can go into cardiac arrest. It's super, super, super rare, but it can happen. So probably what happened is back in the day, some people were fighting and one guy punched another guy in the chest and he died. And it's like, uh, I meant to do that. And the touch of death was born, but it is totally not something you can plan. Now, they don't even do the touch of death to a person. They do it to a pile of bricks, which makes even less sense. But here's the thing. You cannot break the bottom brick by punching the top brick. So if you're trying to shatter an object, basically you need to have a certain amount of, of, of momentum change. So you strike down, and it's that change in momentum that hits the brick and causes it to break. But if you're dealing with a stack of bricks, what happens is you have the most force focused on the smallest area on the top brick. And what happens is that force will then spread out down to the bottom brick. So it's actually going to be less force that hits the bottom brick because it's spread out. So you can't break the bottom brick without breaking all the other bricks on top of it. So no, you can't do that. So he well, could have broken the, the top then? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do they? What do they say in uh, Big Trouble, Little China? Chinese black magic. That's how they did. It. I don't know. Exactly. No, but seriously, if you punch a brick, that that top brick is going to have the most force applied to it, so it's definitely going to break. Right? You might break break the second brick, but you have to definitely break those two bricks before you're going to break the third brick. So basically, in this movie, he does magic, and that's the only way he does it. And if you recall, Jackson punches the brick and breaks the top brick, which is exactly what he said he would do, I believe. So, yeah. So he actually uses physics. <laughs> so there's your science segment. Yeah. yeah. And that means Jackson is the actually the professor of the two. So <laughs> I like it. This is, again, we need a we need a Jackson focused blood sport. I didn't see. Did either you see? I know there was at least two or three straight to video sequels. There are four. Have you seen any of them? Is he in any of them? He's in the second one. I think so. Oh, he is. Very good question. He is in two. He's in the second one, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. I'm going to have to see it. He's in two. And then it's what? Daniel Earhart. Is that his name? Takes over as the lead in them for the last two. Yeah, you got me. I haven't seen any of them. So the fourth one is myself, uh, clearly <laughs> fourth one's a real pile of garbage. I will tell you that for free. <laughs> Someday. All right. Maybe we'll get to those. All right, guys. Well, we then, uh, first, Professor Dom, that was wonderful and informative, as always. And I think <laughs> a you. real signature of our show is that you're not just getting the laughs at our brilliant film analysis, but you're also learning, too, because we believe in the power of education. Only you could see my dance. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be for the Patreon when we will get a YouTube going. Um, all right. So we're coming to an end here. I uh, just want to kind of preview our next show. We'll have another one coming up in a couple of weeks. And we are excited to get even more current with our next movie. We are going to cover the raid. So I am super excited about this. Um, we are going to talk about the guy, uh, Iko Yuas, and I have to pronounce that correctly, uh, who is my current 
favorite martial arts star. I, that guy's badass, mm-hmm. and this movie is badass. Uh, super excited to talk about the raid. So that'll be our next one. Um, we want to give shout outs to our fellow Lunch Door podcast network shows. Uh, there's new episodes out or coming out for some of our uh, awesome shows, Food for Thought, uh, Anomaly, and Beer Review Journal are all have episodes either out now or coming out soon. So definitely check yeah. those out. Um, Matt, did I see the uh, the Anomaly one coming out as Pacific Rim? Uh, that is true. Yeah. So tomorrow's a big day for lunch door. It's going to be, uh, well, you're listening to this. So you've already heard, uh, our, our, our second episode of punches and popcorn, uh, Pacific rim for anomaly presents, uh, a new beer review journal. Uh, there's a brand new food about town with the folks that cook food about uh, town. Why did I say food at, for uh, thought? I don't know. Yeah. Let's um, good luck in their new venture. Um, Ooh, so it's, yeah. a, it's a big day. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nice. Um, yeah. And I, I, we were talking again in our kind of our side chat about whether we could consider Pacific Rim uh, martial arts movie. There's a lot of hand to hand fighting in it. Uh, of I, a sort. I love that movie. So I'm very excited to hear uh, our anomaly friends, man included, absolutely. talk about that. I don't want to spoil anything. Freak- That's a conversation we have. Our, oh yes all right nice. so listen listen to that uh and also we're hoping all of these shows we've talked about doing uh collaborative episodes coming up so hopefully it'll be more fun where uh we'll get to team up combine our powers just like a good ninja team and uh talk about other awesome movies um yes yeah, so also you can find us on social media uh punches and popcorn at punches and popcorn on twitter uh, and also Instagram, same thing, punches and popcorn. You can shoot us an email. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Or if you have expertise in any of the martial arts we talked about, um, you know, or anyone in particular. Uh, and we mentioned one of the emails we got um, was a listener that was really cool who uh, has experience in some of the Filipino martial arts. So, uh, you know, we talk about movies that uh, movies that might have some of that martial arts on it. And uh, maybe we'll bring them in to talk about some of those. So. Um, yeah, please email us. We'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, you know, on our show in the movies. Uh, again, punches in popcorn. Uh, and that's at punches in popcorn because, again, we're like the guns and roses of podcasts. <laughs> welcome to the jungle. <laughs> yes, welcome to the Kumite. Uh, so uh, just to get out we of this. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So closing. So in closing, I just want to wrap this up uh, again. We've kind of been on a string with these first three movies here. Um, we've done three tournament movies, three Bolo Young movies. So. Uh, just got a couple questions for you guys. I just love kind of your thoughts. Throw it out if you have an opinion. Uh, tie these three together. Anything from any of these three movies is fair. First question. Out of the three movies, three tournaments, what's your favorite tournament? The Tournament of Champions that runs every year on Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I got to say Kumite. That's my jam. Seconded. Yeah. I will go alternative and say I really like the tournament from King Boxer because apparently the stakes for it are controlling all of China. So that's those are big that's, stakes. That's a bad. It's, the stakes are what gets me. Um, all right. Uh, so we talked about the connection here with Mortal Kombat. Um, one of the best things about Mortal Kombat, the reason I would say most of us played it originally, right, was the finishing moves, right? So in this, in each of these movies, we got some finishing moves. Uh, what was your favorite finishing move? 
nut punch. I was going to say the nut punch too. <laughs> is that legal or is anything goes in Kumite? I've, so in the Kumite, it's full contact, they say, and the only you can either you can either say mate, which is basically tapping, you know, you get knocked out or you get ring out. That's it. Um, yeah. So they didn't really say you couldn't do anything else. Like that was kind of the thing with the original UFC. I think what were the rules for the original UFC? There were no fish hooks. I don't think you can like fish hooks and nut punches. Pe- that was pretty no much fish it. hooks, no nut punches with a small joint. I don't remember. Uh, I think that you could do small joint at that point. Yeah, they they yeah, it was essentially the kumite, like to go full circle. Yeah, um, uh, my favorite finishing move is when Chong Lee cracks the dude's leg and pops it out Ooh, oh yeah compound fracture that is yeah funny. yeah yeah no, um, well, no 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 is it that or when he knocks out freaking jackson and he makes the face and you know that face the <laughs> yeah, faux face he's like yeah i'm like either one i don't care you pick it doesn't matter when chong lee brutalizes someone that's that's i'll take it yeah. i will say that my favorite finishing move I'm going to, again, go to King Boxer, and it is <laughs> it is the eye gouge, the flying eye gouge. <laughs> just that I love it. It's not just the pulling them out, but then that he just calmly has them in his hands afterwards and throws them onto the floor like they're dice. But to revisit, he doesn't pull them out. He goes all freaking Mo Howard on it. Goes, However, well, as, if you haven't listened to our second episode, please do, because uh, walking up in here gives us a great one will tell you why that's not possible and then tell you how you actually can do it. So, you know, welcome. we don't. We have, we're a full service operation here. Um, fun side thing about the Kumite. I forgot I was going to mention this earlier, but reading according to Frank Dukes in that 1980 article, um, the Kumite would happen at like when we were talking about the mats and all that, it would happen at like progressive locations. Like first it was on like a lower mat and then it like the environment would change ever. So it was almost oh, like mortal Kombat, cool. where you'd be in these like different environments. And like the final fight was on a rooftop. I'm like, Did, they should have done that. That would have been so cool. Awesome. The only thing I could think is they were working on a $1.5 million budget. So it's right. Here's the fighting ring. We have uh, one set. Let's the coolest it. thing we can do is like put razors on the, uh, uh lifts on the edge of it at the end to make it a ramp um all right last thing uh again we gotta if we're gonna close this we gotta talk about our our patron saint our man bolo young um out of these movies what is your favorite bolo moment i already said it when he stomps on jackson's face and makes that freaking face yeah yeah easily that is he's just so scary. I remember when I saw it when I was eight, I was like, this man is a friggin' monster. He's the scariest person I've ever seen. And <laughs> it's it's it, uh, it's been a love affair ever since. I love him. I love him. Cosine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Jason, you got a different moment? Uh so mine's pretty random. So it's when Jackson calls him out and like after the Jackson's first match, he calls Bolo out specifically, points to him, you know, like Babe Ruth style, like you're next. And and Bolo has like a like I didn't need to have a beef with you, but you started this. Like, like you're starting the ball rolling for me having to probably kill you. It's just a great little like double take he does where he's just like, why? What? And so, you know, that's a pivotal moment in the film. Yes. Yes. Well, I will say my favorite bolo moment. I'm going to go back to enter the dragon and a moment that we have to talk about when we do a part two for that. Um, 
is when he kills a guy by literally folding him in half. Oh, uh, he takes yes. a human being and turns him into a fitted sheet. And I, right. <laughs> I just love that. My, and uh, just as a, as a preview, uh, our walking weapon here, Professor Dom, uh, has wonderful information about how that could or couldn't be possible and what it might connect to. So preview, stay with us. Uh, we're going to have to come back to Enter the Dragon because we bear. I, you know, another thing I realized we didn't even talk about that. We did not touch on it at all. The Angela Mao was Bruce Lee's sister in that movie, like an- another martial arts legend that was in that movie. And we didn't, we forgot about it. So again, we'll do, be doing a part two, but we will definitely be, there will be a Dom science segment. Uh, I would guess about whether you can fold a human being in half like Bolo does, but that's my, that's just such a Bolo move to like <laughs> contort a human form into halfsies. So, uh, <laughs> but that's about it for tonight. Uh, again, blood sport. This is freaking fantastic. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks uh, with the raid and uh, we actually are going to have a guest star for that. So we're excited to have our first guest, um, but reach out to us again, punches and popcorn on Twitter, Instagram, or shoot us a Gmail or an email at punches of popcorn and Gmail. If you have any thoughts, uh, feedback or um, expertise you're willing to share, um, or if you can find that Winston commercial with Bolo Young and Bruce Lee, and I want to see that thing, or I would love to see uh, an image of what Jean-Claude Van Damme's predator suit would have looked like. I want to know, but all right, guys, this has been a blast. Um, until next time, Kick ass and take names. Yeah. Keep a couch potato style. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a presentation of the Luncheon or Podcast Network.